St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians 6 1-10. Brethren, working together with him, we entreat you not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, At the acceptable time I have listened to you, and helped you on the day of salvation. Behold, now is the acceptable time, behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in any one's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry, but as servants of God we commend ourselves in every way, through great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, tumults, labors, watching, hunger, by purity, knowledge, forbearance, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, in ill repute and good repute. We are treated as impostors, and yet are true, as unknown, and yet well known, as dying, and behold we live, as punished, and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing everything. Dash 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 dash. Both of these passages, the epistle reading and the gospel reading, when read on their own, have very much to offer and have many branches of ideas and practice but it is when we read them together that the parallels become evident. Paul, in speaking to the church in Corinth, is reminding them of all that Jesus has accomplished for them, having brought them out from under the dominion of sin and death. Paul begins with an entreaty of not accepting the grace of God in vain. There are a number of metaphors that could be used to gain a better understanding of which Paul speaks. But in essence, Paul is saying that the incredible gift that God has given them in Jesus Christ, should not be lightly embraced. Like receiving a large inheritance and doing nothing with, The new life that men have received from Christ puts man in a place to be able to become something far greater than he can even imagine. To be given a hundred million dollars and do nothing with it but buy McDonald's is a ridiculous fallacy. To take on the name of Christ and then continue a life of mediocrity and distraction is, as well, similarly fallacious. What Paul says next is somewhat surprising, as one would expect him to explain how being part of the body of Christ would provide all sorts of benefits. But Paul goes on to say that a Christian life that is commendable will be defined by afflictions, hardships, calamities, etc. And even though we will suffer in this life, even facing what appears to be contradictions, we possess everything. Paul is explaining how, from a worldly, temporal perspective, we will appear to be weighed down with suffering and deprivation. Even though we will be treated as impostors, as unknown and, being punished and suffering, we have unexplainable joy and true riches. When we go on to the Gospel reading, in Matthew 25:14-30, we read the well-known story of the servants and the talents. The Lord said this parable, a man going on a journey called his servants and entrusted to them his property, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also, he who had the two talents made two talents more but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents, here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much, enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents, here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant, you have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much, enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not winnow, 
So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sowed, and gather where I have not winnowed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and of my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, will more be given, and he will have abundance, but from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, their men will weep and gnash their teeth. As he said these things he cried out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In this parable, we have three servants who are all given differing levels of gifts-slash-responsibilities. We read how each of them respond to the temporary investment. The two servants who take what they are given and are responsible and productive with it, are rewarded for their labors. While the one servant, who simply buries his investment and returns it to the master, is chastened for his laziness and lack of effort. As Jesus is communicating this parable to his audience, he is speaking of the sort of work and responsibility his followers will be expected to embrace, once he has completed his ministry, destroyed the power of sin and death and sent the Holy Spirit. That of which Jesus speaks is actually taking place in the epistle reading. Paul has embraced the teachings of Jesus and is passing that teaching on to the churches around the known world. He is reminding the church in Corinth that they, like the servants given the talents, are expected to be productive, to be creative and to be responsible with what they have been given. What they are given is not something they earn but instead, something that they are to do something with. This is an incredibly important point. Jesus and Paul, in perfect harmony, are showing that salvation and eternal life are not earned by doing but are instead free gifts that will impact how we think and live. When the grace of God is given to us, we must not take it in vain, like the third servant did, doing nothing with it. It was Jesus' responsibility to perfectly obey the old covenant law, to sacrifice himself and to destroy the power of sin and death. And this he did perfectly. It is our responsibility to take that grace that God has given us through Jesus Christ and do something with it. It is our responsibility to respond. To put an even finer point on it, the third servant was not cast out for lack of having the talents but for lack of doing something with the talents. He did not earn the talents, he was given them. But once his foolishness was exposed, at the time of reckoning, he could only give back what was given to him, a single talent. The third servant was punished and cast out for his lack of productivity. As the master tells him, at least you could have put the money in the bank and earned interest. At least then you could have increased some amount. Instead, the talent he was given was taken away and he was cast away from the presence of the master. To translate this parable into new covenant thinking, everyone has been given salvation and only those who embrace it and live it, i.e., loving God and loving neighbor, will be those who are rewarded for their faithfulness and be given more. But those who do nothing with the salvation given them and instead bury it, at the final judgment, they will have nothing to show. They will have received the grace of God in vain. But the big difference between the old covenant parable and the new covenant reality is that of the death of death. Jesus' work of providing freedom from sin and death is comprehensive and universal. Men will not be cast away, for the presence of God is in all places and fills all things. Instead they will spend eternity lamenting the fact that they received the grace of God in vain and did nothing to draw closer to God and become more like Christ. This is Paul's point, this is Jesus' point. It is man's responsibility to respond to what God has done for him, no matter when he was alive. For the old covenant believer, success in his world was defined by temporal blessing, living in the promised land and being able to come to the holy temple in Jerusalem. For the new covenant believer, success in his world is defined, not by temporal blessings, not by comfort, not by location or a physical temple but by eternal life, being filled with the Holy Spirit and being freed from the power of death. 
It is our responsibility to receive the grace of God in fruitfulness. Being productive and faithful servants, regardless of the short-term suffering we may undergo.